Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Shoxies podcast. Uh, today, I have a returning guest. Um, many people out there in the world know him as Chris from the Crew 3 podcast. Uh, he is a prolific magic player, and a I believe you, you've said before that you are a Battle Spirits regional champion. Oh, you know it. Uh, original Battle Spirits regional top eight competitor. Um, regional top would eight be, Would be world champion of Beyblade. The yes. list goes on. The list goes on and on. But these days I spend my days regaling the children about the olden days, you know? <laughs> Yo, I get that for sure. Like, there's so much you can just tell these kids that don't understand. They're like, you know what? Back in my day, we didn't have Planeswalkers. We just had... Just That's right. Broken cards like lightning bolt legal in every format. <laughs> That's exactly right. We had chain lightning where each time you cast it, it cost more and you just went back and forth chain lightning your <laughs> opponent and they chain lightning you and back and forth uphill both ways. That's how it worked, you know? Exactly. All these creatures nowadays, it's just back in my day, we paid five mana for a four, four with flying and vigilance and liked it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That was the most powerful card there was, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we wanted a one mana two, two, it was a legendary. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we're here uh, this week. We're going to be talking about uh, a deck that I infer is near and dear to your heart, and I've been really warming up to. It's the Pro Tour winning list, uh, Indomitable Creativity, uh, which is really exciting. I love this deck. It's so cool. Yeah, it's so fun. I spent We spent the beginning of the... Um... Pioneer format, looking at combos, and really what stuck out to me was the, um, oh gosh, I own one, but it's in a foreign language, and so I don't remember what it's called. It's the five-minute enchantment that when you cast a spell of a certain type, you flip, oh, dog in the background, sorry. Oh, you powers. flip spells from the top of your library until you see the same spell. Uh, that, that sounds familiar. And then, uh, and then you cast it. And the whole yeah. point of the card is that uh, you have no sorceries, but you'll either have adventures or you'll have learn cards. Mm -hmm. And those will get you a sorcery to flip your whole deck to play uh, Enter the Infinite or whatever yeah. that, you know, 11 Possibility Storm. Possibility That's Storm. It. Thank yeah. you. Possibility Storm. Yeah, combo. Um, and then, as it turns out, Indomitable Creativity is just a one card combo. Um, mm -hmm. And so just uh, those are pretty exciting. They're very rare and they're exciting when they happen. So. Yeah, it, the deck has kind of just been popping up a lot recently and going back as far as like modern, I'm sure legacy, but you know, they, they legacy is a different beast. But yeah, the deck has just kind of been people have realized the raw power of being creative, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Um, really <clears throat> when you look at like Ricky has a great point on this, where it's like the mm -hmm. ways that you can produce creatures by casting yeah. non-creature spells has drastically improved. Um, obviously, yeah. I think this deck loses a ton if you were to ever ban Fable the Mirror Breaker. Mm -hmm. It does like everything that you want the card to do. It makes a creature mm -hmm. for you. That creature makes artifacts, right? Oh, yeah. um, it digs you further to your combo. And then the last thing is another creature. So whether or not a copy stuff is not super relevant, though, I have beaten people on two occasions by just copying your other fable mm -hmm. of the mirror breaker flipped. Once yeah. you have two on your opponent's in step, uh, you make a bunch of copies and then untap and kill them. So, yeah. And I remember seeing in the pro tour, I'm pretty sure someone on the, the channel fireball team that was reduke and 
Yellow Hat, I'm pretty sure one of them won one of their matches. I can't remember which one. They did exactly that, where they just made a bunch of Fable Token copies off of each other and just attacked for lethal that way instead of just comboing off, which is pretty sick. <laughs> yep, it, can, it can absolutely happen. And uh, Reed Duke made a point about this deck that I think makes a lot of sense, which is like in shorter tournaments, um, this isn't always your go-to unless you're really familiar with it, but in longer events it really does well for you because you, you just you win a lot of free games yeah. and there are a lot of non games in magic. That is just a, a true statement of like, it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. That's what you get for adding lands, which are, you know, sometimes uh, considered skill testing um, and sometimes considered annoying. But there's a lot of non games in magic, right? You get mana flooded, you get mana screwed, whatever might happen. And so just picking up those free games over a longer tournament matters more. Oh, for sure. Um, it's like whenever people play Abzan Greasefang, uh, sometimes you just get the free wins just because some people just aren't prepared for it and similar things. Just sometimes decks like this can be very effective. <laughs> yeah, excellent point. I mean, there was an old adage. It's um, like back when we had these things called Grand Prix before we had Magic Fest and whatnot, right? At the, at the Grand Prix, um, uh, our own, you know, our very own. Well, he's not actually we don't own him at all, but uh um, the team of Patrick Sullivan and Cedric Phillips was together commenting. And it's one of the greatest, greatest commentary duos of all time. And they were discussing the merits of Goblin Charbelcher. And they were talking about how in a 15 round tournament, like going with the most consistent deck may not make sense because you, if you have a bunch of like 60, 40 matchups, you know, four losses doesn't make you top eight, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you might as well take a coin flip deck that's like going to win hard, right? And spike and, and just try and win it all the way. If you're like, if you, if you have a faster win. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I guess it's kind of like, Hey, just hope you can take it. Like if you're winning every single game one, then at least hope you can win, you know, one of the last two games, right. Uh, in order to just kind of like have a better chance of like a higher variance deck is better than a lower variance deck in those longer yeah. tournaments. So, so this one, it's a, yeah, I was just say this one I don't think is necessarily super high variance, but given that you have like the combo finish, those kinds of decks can be more successful than you would otherwise think in longer tournaments. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, so you're basically as opposed to playing your opponent as much, you're more you're more playing the odds of the game rather than uh, I mean, like uh, to explain, like, sure, there's variance of the lands and stuff, but if you can get the odds in your favor heavily because of uh, game one like if you can it basically comes a coin flip with, like you said before i'm just basically reiterating yeah yeah i don't know why i'm doing it <laughs> no, no no sure sure it makes sense right like there, there's different yeah. ways of phrasing it but yeah uh, yeah essentially like being a combo deck can pan out just because if you're if people aren't ready for your game one right if your game ones mm -hmm. are really really good then all you got to do is pick up one of the next two now that can be hard if people are really ready for your combo but you mm -hmm. know again you have backup plans here your combo is really consistent because you just need to draw one card Right, mm -hmm. you can draw one card with a little bit of setup, and and you win the game. So, um, not a lot of people have sure. answers, right? You're really one of the best answers you have is Vanishing Verse, which is only somewhat played, and then the Wandering Emperor, uh, because that obviously exiles a tapped creature, uh, and that's a pretty powerful effect. But other than those two, I mean, just killing the World Spine Worm on its own, that still lands your opponent with three five fives. When that card dies, it gives you some some really, really sick uh, bonus effects. And then next turn, you're still getting attacked for 20 when one of those worms doubles in power. So, uh, you know, killing it's not super effective unless you're going to win on that next turn and you can attack through five untapped five fives. 
Yeah, that, that is a very good point. <laughs> um, so uh, looking at my questions I had about the deck, uh, I think this uh, this first question I had uh, about this, what would you consider the strengths of the deck? This kind of is, we kind of answered that, but if you're, other than being very good for longer tournaments, what would you say other strengths of the deck are? Yeah, it's again a combo deck that's, um you know, it's got a lot of resiliency to the deck. Um, a lot of people will be surprised where it's like, you know, oh, I've got this card. Well, I've got a counter spell, right? The, the deck plays blue cards, and not only is it very consistent in being able to find its one card, because that's all it really needs, um, it needs some setup, right? You want to have either find a big, a big score or a Fable of the Mirror Breaker or some amount of tokens from whatever else, but um, in general, it's very consistent at finding its combo. And then even if you had some ways to interrupt it, well, Indomitable Creativity can just be cast for one more. So when you sideboard in, Right, if your answer to Indomitable Creativity is an artifact, then that doesn't yeah. do anything because they're just going to pay one extra and target your artifacts and destroy it, and you can flip for the next creature artifact you get, and I'm winning the game. So the deck has a lot of resiliency, despite it being a a combo deck, which are normally known as a little more fragile. That's not to say that all its matchups are good; far from it, but. It's way more resilient than typical combo decks are, and it's why we see it as one of the only combo decks in the format, and I would argue one of the most successful. The Lotus Field's been around. Um, Indomitable Creativity is much better against aggro, in my opinion, than Lotus Field is. Um, Lotus Field a lot of times misses interactions in some of the early terms if you're playing tap lands. Um, although the 0-3 reach, the Arboreal Grazer, is very good at blocking, um, your... You know, Grease Fang doesn't necessarily care as much about blockers, right? It cares somewhat, but you're still taking a lot of damage and they've assembled their combo if you can't get it. Our red spells in this deck can take care of a Grease Fang before it becomes a problem. And I think it makes a lot of those matchups a, a lot better. So though I think Lotus Field has its own advantages, I really definitely would much rather, if any, any format I think where Lotus Field is good, I would pretty much rather be playing this deck than a Lotus Field deck. Oh, that, that's interesting. I... I, whenever I think of Lotus Field, for some reason, I never really think of it as like a, a true combo deck. Sure. Just because in my head, it's like a storm deck, but which I mean, that's obviously combo. But yeah, no, that, that's just an interesting way to uh, phrase it. And I just the way you phrased it really changed the perspective of the deck for me. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm being honest. I, I think that the just one a... thing that I will say where that's not true is if control is really dominant um, mm -hmm. out of the sideboard in Lotus Field, you get thought distortion. Uh, mm. You do not want to be playing Is It Creativity in a room full of control. Dovin's Veto is just like really, really, really bad for you. And oh, um, I believe it's, it. it's not even really worth sideboarding for. Like you can throw in some Holebreaker Horrors and pray, but there's good white removal spells for your Holebreaker Horror. Dovin's Veto just wrecks your day. You got to get pretty lucky. Um, honestly, if you really want to, I think one of the cards that I've messed around with, because there, there are actually several local control players in my metagame, is actually... Um, Oh man, it's it literally makes your next uh, castable spell an instant. Quicken. Uh, yeah, Quicken. Quicken is the name of the card because if you gather up two indomitable creativities, you can try and quicken it on their turn and then cast another one on your turn. And I think that's one of the few ways that you might have a chance really uh, against control. Otherwise, if there's a big control in the format, Lotus Field is much better because of your access to, um, yeah, like I said, thought, thought, thought distortion, black spells, whatever else there might be. Oh, interesting. That's, that's good to know for Very sure helpful. um so you were speaking uh you you said that whenever you're playing this deck you're looking for 
you'd much rather play this into like aggro decks than Lotus. Um, what uh, decks specifically are you looking for when or whenever playing this? Like, what would you want to prey on the most? Like, the room is full of uh, any deck of your choice. What would you choose it to be for you to Ooh, spike uh, the man. <laughs> It's a little bit of a lesser known deck, but um, but if you remember Boats, Boats was popular yeah. for a couple weeks. Yeah, Gruel Boats. Uh, deck, yeah, uh, the the Gruel the- Boats deck. Um, it can sometimes race this deck, and it's it's definitely mm-hmm. not. I'm not even sure that it's an eighty twenty. But it's. I think it's better than sixty forty. I think it's mm-hmm. seventy thirty or better. Uh, you just you have removal spells, you have counter spells. You you that's the exact kind of deck where it's like a little bit more of a mid rangey creature deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what you want to be facing in. And just particularly when I talked about facing like wanting to face aggro or whatever, I think I'm more like I would if I'm if I have the choice of playing Lotus Field or okay. or creativity, right? Mm-hmm. I would rather be playing creativity into a more aggro field because, yeah. you know, we can go, we can go over this deck list real quick if you don't mind. And so I can kind of yeah, go uh, for it. these points a little better. But if we look at just the list that Reed Duke said, cause you mentioned that deck and I was like, let me pull this up and be a good, uh, be a good guest here. We start off with our combo, which is Xenagos, God of Revels and a World Spine Worm. We're obviously going to get those out of our deck with four indomitable creativities, but then we've got four fiery impulse, one secrets of the key, one spell pierce, two spike field hazard, four fiery prophecy, Four Impulse, three Make Disappear, one Valakut Awakening, four Big Score, one Dig Through Time, four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and one Shark Typhoon, as well as 24 lands on top of the three additional double-faced modal spells uh, that are also lands that I mentioned going in there before. So, you know, we are playing a full eight burn spells that deal, you know, anywhere from two to three damage. Uh, but usually you're wanting your fire impulse to do three plus a couple miser spike field hazards to ping off some elves, right? Um, whatever might give us a little bit of trouble there. So I have played against like various grease fang variants and things like that. And it's not, you know, again, an insane matchup, but you hold your own really well. Those red spells let you kill grease fang and, and all they can do is wait to go off on the next turn. Right, because like what you wait till the trigger goes off, you kill the Grease Fang, their thing comes into play. Hopefully they can't crew it. If you if they were able to crew it, you'd have killed it before the trigger goes off. But if they can't crew it, then that card ends up back in their hand. So then I've got to find a way to get their Parhelion in the graveyard again or whatever, you know, artifact in the graveyard again, and then have to recast the Grease Fang, obviously. So you can delay stuff for quite a while before you go off and you just have some good interaction, right? Between a couple counter spells, a couple of um removal spells. You know, again, you've got a lot of dig between those impulses and Fable the Mirror Breakers to just get to the one indomitable creativity. It's going to take you and five mana, right? Five mana, two artifacts to just win the game straight up. Five, you got five mana and indomitable creativity. That's game over. That's 30 damage, right? Most most non-angel decks are not surviving through an attack for 30 damage um, or even just surviving a World Spine Worm that comes into play one way or another. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah, Uh 30 damage is extremely hard to to deal with. I I remember I was playing against an Angels deck actually recently trying to do the 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 tree combo thing and <laughs> not the tree the world spine worm. Sorry, different combo. Um I was doing the world spine worm combo and I got it out but they were already at like 70 life and I was like, "Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay then." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need a I'm going to need a couple more turns. I'm going to need a couple more turns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the the Angels deck again, you know, you've got you've got your counter spells, you've got your 
uh, removal spells. So like, it's really about knowing what to remove, but also they have that two, four angel. That's really hard to kill <laughs> with, oh, your, yeah. with your three damage spells. So that's no good for you. You definitely need to save some counter spells for that if you can, but you can kill Giadas. You can kill um, youthful Valkyrie. There's a couple ones that you can still pick off even with just your uh, spike field hazards. Uh, should you decide to play those? So yeah. that matchup isn't is is definitely not all bad. Again, that's another mid range creature matchup that if they get going, it's no good for you. But you you should just kind of know, hey, look, I need some rogue spells, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. But if they get going, like I said, it's it's not a cakewalk. <laughs> but to go back and and go all the way back around, round this wagon to answer your question, boats I think is good. I think angels is honestly, even though they have the potential for life gain. Uh, again, another one of the ones that I really would not mind playing just with the amount of removal spells that we have. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, creature decks. This if so, in a sense, it's just creature decks are the the best matchup. Like, yeah, they're really the best because again, you know, like uh, again, some of the mid range decks. You know, my my fire prophecy ain't doing much against a shieldred. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, again, that, that matchup's not the worst. You certainly, you know, you're digging and just hoping that you can find your really just finding multiple creativities because they're probably going to get thoughts used away. But you know. Uh, you got a lot of looks at it. So even, or if you don't even find one in the initial, but you can find one after you get thought seized, that's really what it takes. So I think that's more of an even matchup just because of the hand disruption, but you're a lot of your spells do not kill the spells in red, black mid range. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes and, sense. Uh, a lot of your spells equally do not do a, a bunch against like Lotus field, but you have, you have more main deck counter spells and I think you can go off a little bit faster usually. I mean, if you're just uninterrupted, it's not impossible to like Secrets of the Key, um, Fable the Mirror Breaker, attack, and then set up your combo, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's that's a very good point. Like Lotus doesn't interact much. Um, uh, Sorry, I'm just looking at my next question. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say the worst matches? We, we talked about some matches that are bad for you, but uh, what do you think is the absolute, like, you'd never, ever want to uh, try it play against it yeah i i don't know that i've ever beaten control um, oh okay. if, if your opponent's playing blue white spells and has dovin's dovin's vetoes you're you're really on the struggle bus um i think there's kind of a, a version of the deck i might want to talk about later that if you you really just shouldn't be playing the deck if you've got a bunch of control mages in your in your metagame um but there are versions of the deck that i think could be better but that's just really really hard for you it's really hard for you to like navigate around that uh, there are some cute things you can do, but, but you'll notice like most of the sideboards don't have a ton of ways to interact specifically with control. It's more for like, well, if I've been interacted with, can I do something a little different, right? Can I just mm-hmm. go all in on shark typhoons and hope I can win that way, you know? Yeah. Um, but even then, if your opponent's playing the uh, Leyline Binding, um, that may not work, you know? Um, again, Holebreaker Horror still dies to removal, right? You can yeah. flash it in, it can't be countered, but if your opponent has the that two-mana white kill spell that makes you a clue or whatever it is, or mm-hmm. uh, what is, is that what it does? It make you a clue? What's the one from uh, the um, Vampire set? Yeah, Fateful Absence. Fateful uh, destroys target Planeswalker or creature, and uh, then your opponent makes the clue that well, the one the creature that was destroyed's controller makes the clue. Yeah, just for clarity's like sake. That. So like, <laughs> that for two mana is just like, man, I spent all this you can mm-hmm. try to protect it, but that's just a two mana removal spell. It's not like they spent mm-hmm. a bunch of mana trying to remove that. Uh, so yeah, there's just it really just does not go well for you. That matchup is one that I would you almost man almost. It depends on the caliber of the player, but if you're playing against a really good player, 
you could almost concede and save yourself the mental the mental fortitude. You know, it's it's not that bad. It's not really that bad. Like you have outs, right? Like you you've got your shark typhoons, you've got your fable of mirror breakers. Um, you can consider you know your your hollow storm giants. There's ways to get there. Um, this version of the deck does play some mutifalls, which I do not recommend. But hey, there's ways to beat down. It's not totally hopeless. But if you're somebody who wants to save the mental energy and you're playing against control, you can either try and go for the draw or you can concede and move on with your life. Uh, obviously, that's a joke. If you're talking for competitive stuff, don't actually do that. But it's not too far off, right? It is not too far off from that level of matchup. Just really the worst. You really don't want to play it. Mm-hmm. That, that would make sense. Yeah, sometimes there's just no amount of sideboarding you can do to really fix a matchup without altering your deck like yep. beyond... Yep. Uh, imagining <laughs> yeah because you're the one trying to be the you're the one trying to be the i want to resolve my spell and dovin's veto is just like the perfect card for that right it's so like if your opponent saves it intelligently you know you can you can get around it there are chances right catch your opponent slipping cast some bait things i'm not telling you not to try and learn the matchup but uh it, it is a very very bad one um the good news for us creativity players is that control is really bad right now um, people can try and there are some players that are doing well with it and you know good for them but in general, uh, I really, I rarely see it do well at RCQs. I've seen one guy make a top eight, and otherwise, the three or so players that are taking it are sitting there with no wins, three losses, and three draws, and wishing they hadn't hadn't come today. You know, they just wish they would have hit the Baskin Robbins, got those thirty two <laughs> flavors, and and done something else. Oh, for sure, yeah. The it's kind of interesting that in in real Pioneer, there's uh there's a, a lack of control, but in uh, Explorer, like pseudo pioneer now that absent grease fang is kind of caught up yeah. control is just everywhere now because it kind of like i'm not sure if it's good against grease fang you wouldn't think so but apparently uh more grease fang equals more control because it's all a lot of people i've seen lately I've i can to. see it i i see it's funny like i'm glad you're here to tell me because like i'm gonna need to team up with you so that we can play some explorer because I'm, I'm pretty down to play some explorer uh, coming yep. up here but when i think about hey what's really good at removing graveyards i think white cards i think black cards right mm-hmm. white cards heck we've got rest in peace right we've got uh, we've got exile effects to mm-hmm. exile our opponent's grease fang so they can't come back from the yard we can exile the parhelion you know uh, grease mm-hmm. fang's okay it's a three minute four three but it's definitely nowhere near as good if it's not flying in the sky prison you know what i'm saying oh yeah so uh oh, i'm sure. glad you told me that yeah I, I definitely i think the control aspect uh, makes more sense there and it's also a lot harder to time out. Like in real life, when you're mm-hmm. really thinking that hard, there's more pressure on you to remember your stuff. I think control in paper in particular is really something that I warn people against. People try it in good forum, but it's just not a deck that, you know, again, you get torn your hand up a couple times by some thought seizes and take those couple draws and, and it can be pretty demotivating if you ask me. Oh yeah, I agree. And uh, bringing it back around a tiny bit, uh, speaking of sideboards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you say is the most brought in sideboard card for uh, teamer or indomitable creativity? You can people can argue in the comments if it's teamer or is it? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We'll we'll let them figure it out, right? Exactly. Um, I would tell you that usually, like more removal spells is where you're going, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that it can kind of depend on the um, it can kind of depend on the meta game. Um, okay. One thing that I think a lot of people want to do is hedge their bets and bring in a Holebreaker Whore, uh, mm-hmm. which I do think is fine because, again, that's another card that can win you the game. It's obviously one of my favorite creatures, but uh, you don't always need to. Like I said, your opponent's yeah. going to sideboard in some cards. It's not going to probably be that many cards. And while you don't just want to lose the game if they cast them, 
they don't always draw. So there are plenty of games where you just don't see any of your sideboarded cards. And although you want to prepare for it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it may not be the worst. But the thing is, a lot of the cards that are good against you are non-creatures. Mm-hmm. So you usually you're bringing magic. in like more negates than you are like removal spells, I suppose, in general. Right. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. There's not a ton of creature cards out of the sideboard that are really good against you. A lot of them are artifacts, which aren't that good against you because you can just cast your inevitable creativities for one extra. Mm-hmm. Um, or their spells, right? Think like cranial yeah. extraction effects. Um, so, you know, I search your library for a card and remove it. Um, thought seize type effects, right, are, are pretty good mm-hmm. against you so they can pick apart your hand. Uh, those kinds of spells. And you're usually going to want more counter spells or Narset's reversals in in this case to deal with them. So probably your most potent cards are counterspells, right? Um, one yeah. of the mistakes you see a lot of new players make is not anticipating what your opponent's going to bring in against you. Mm-hmm. And so if that you can sense. think about, hey, what are my opponent's tools against me? That will really help you. But if you're just totally lost, you know, hey, figure out what your worst cards are and throw in some shark typhoons and uh, maybe another counter spell or two or a removal spell if it's against a creature deck and roll with that. Usually that'll get you there. Um, you know, the, there are decks that are good against creativity. You're not super afraid of, of sideboard cards. Like, again, the cra- occasional cranial extraction effect can get you. But, you know, if you just save a counter spell or multiple counter spells, um, some people are afraid to cast it into your counter spells, or they do, and just thinking, "Oh, I got the game now," and you counter spell it, and they're like, "Oh crap!" And then you win, you know, a turn or two later. So that's kind of, kind of, I guess, kind of one of the things to keep in mind. That makes sense. Um, I, I did have a question as uh, coming from somebody who brings in cranial extraction effects versus yeah. indomitable creativity. Uh, what would you say is the 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 preferred like the the best card to grab? Is it would you say the win con or would you recommend grabbing indomitable creativity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the problem I think you can have is that if you like go for a world spine worm or a, or a Xenagos or something like that, and then your opponent did side in something else like a hole breaker horror, they're just going to go, Oh great. Well, I'll cast creativity for four, get a hole breaker horror, leave a mana or two up. And now whatever spells you're casting, I'm bouncing to your hand and I'm going to beat you down with this Holebreaker Horror. So I think the answer is probably creativity. And then you are just, hey, listen, if they cast a Holebreaker Horror on you, they did it. You know, hopefully at least at that point, you've got removal spells you can cast or whatever, because at least they had to pay the full mana value for it and are not sticking it out early. So I would definitely tell you Indomitable Creativity is that kind of card. But like I said, those those kind of effects can be hit and miss. Well, I definitely think they're good. If your opponent just goes, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to beat you down with shark typhoon tokens because you took out all your removal, then you're in trouble. So again, oh, sure. what we talked about a minute ago where it was like, hey, anticipate what your opponent's going to do. Where it's like you don't necessarily want to side at all your removal because hey, you you that was your third turn, right? Most of those effects cost at least three mana. Um, so you know that's what you did with your third turn for your opponent to then just you know use a shark typhoon token to kill you or cast a shark typhoon and still be able to beat you that way once they use the alternative win con. So yeah, that makes sense. I, I was just, it, it just, whenever you're talking about extraction effects, it reminded me of one time I, I was playing against it in paper and I named the extraction effect. I named the, uh, I named world spine worm, but yeah. then turns out they were playing the, the locust, uh, God oh, combo no. version of it. So no. it did absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if you want to get tricksy with it, you can, uh, you can go ahead and sideboard in, uh, in that one. I think you could, <clears throat> you could also reasonably sideboard in like a Traxa mm-hmm. and just like try and do I've some grindy stuff. So 
you know, you can you can name that card uh, depending on how, what your rate on your opponent is. But I do think the creativity, if you're into that kind of thing, is probably what you want to name. Yeah, I've also seen a really weird version where they're playing Forerunner of the Empire, which if people don't know what that is, it is a dinosaur tutor card where it tutors a dinosaur to the top of your library. And whenever a dinosaur enters the battlefield, it does one damage to each creature you control. And mm-hmm. it run ran Polyraptor. So they played it. I think they got like seven Polyraptors at once, and then they just passed the turn. <laughs> so it's very hard to interact with that whenever you don't actually know what somebody's siding in. So that could be a good strategy. I'm not an expert at the deck, but if you want to make things tricky for the person bringing in extraction effects, do something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think I will typically tell you that those effects are not very good. Um, that's one of the classic, like old school magic player takes is like those cards can be good if you're again just combos everywhere. But generally speaking, you paying mana to lighten your opponent's draw step if they don't already have it in hand is like a massive waste of tempo that you really just can't afford in the game of Magic the Gathering. But yeah, um, there are times that it can be good. It's funny because like they've been making them worse. They've been making them cost a little bit less, but now they give your opponent zombies or they get to draw cards or um, whatever they get to do. And, and usually those effects weren't super good already. So uh, I think the problem is unless you're playing against exclusively creativity, those effects aren't super good. And like cards like duress are, are more universally good. So I'm not a big fan of them in general, but you do have to be aware of whether or not your opponent's going to play them. And again, the worse they are, sometimes the better they are. Cause then if your opponent's not expecting it, well then boom, you just extraction them and they can't win the game. So. Yeah. It's a good, very good point. Um, so the next question I have up on my docket is, um, do you ever board out of the combo? Um, I, we kind of talked about it a little bit where you bring in some hole breakers, but do you ever take out the whole combo and just replace it with hole breakers? Like what matchup would that be for specifically? Do you think? Yeah, uh, that I, th- I think that's a really great question. Good. I would tell you no, because again, like you can't be afraid of your opponent, like having the card because sometimes they're not going to have mm-hmm. it, you know, um, or you save a counter spell for it, right? You play around it, but the effect is so powerful that like, your opponent, again, there are so many non-games, right? Your opponent stumbles. They've got too much mana. They don't have enough mana. Effects like that, that, you know, hey, you you counterspell the the ramp spell they were looking for or whatever kind of thing they were counting on resolving, um, you might have it, right? You might still have the game. So it's never something that I usually completely get rid of um, unless, I don't know, I can't, I can't think of a reason that I would because, again, you still at least might just want to go for the World Spine Worm or the Holebreaker Horror. And again, an interesting play pattern in the deck is because you do some amount of scrying with impulse. If you see the Xenagos, you you know you know that the World Spine Worm is going to be above the Xenagos in your deck. So, like, if you're in a tight spot, you can you know creativity for just the one, knowing that the World Spine Worm is up. If that lets you keep up a spell pierce or a make disappear, you know. Oh, that is that is smart. I would I would never thought of that. That's that's genius. <laughs> yeah, and then although it does not usually come up. If you need to, you can make disappear and casualty your world spine worm in order to get yourself those three tokens. So like you're usually not needing to block, but heck, if you need to, right, you can cast whatever spell, make disappear, copy it, and you can target if they've cast a spell, um, you know, double theirs. But you usually are not. Usually they're just going to attack you smartly without casting a spell and you're going to need to cast something and then counter it with your make disappear which is a lot of mana to ask. But listen, I'm just saying it's possible, right? These are kind of plays that you want to be considering of. It's like, hey, what's the last card you saw? Did you just put the Xenagos in the bottom or some other card in the bottom? Um, or the opposite, right? If you know you saw the World Spine Worm last, sometimes you might want to take it 
and then discard it to an effect and then shuffle your deck because, you know, you don't want that to go on the bottom, right? If you were impulsing or whatever else. So you need to kind of know where, where that card's at. But um, it comes up frequently where like you knowing where the the world spine worm is in your deck because or the other one because you saw one can affect your affect your pay, play patterns and you know why you would or would not cast certain cards but um, a lot of times a world spine worm is just enough to win the game it's a 15 15 trampler and if they kill it you get those five five so there are definitely games where it's like hey i need to go off one turn early with a guaranteed kill because it's going to affect the board and um that can do it so you're usually not boarding out the entire combo it's just it's such a powerful um, effect and it's just the one card so that i've seen decks in the past and this is i know exactly you're asking this um, decks in the past that have done that kind of thing right have you ever had a combo deck that sideboarded out the combo uh yeah um i was just trying to think think of one whenever you were saying that um yeah i was just like uh none come to mind for me right now but <laughs> yeah sure sure the last couple of years and a ton of paper magic but it's yeah. certainly something you used to do there used to be transformative sideboards where you'd transform out of your combo um, into just you know, a more of a regular deck with eight or so cards, because again, you know, it was not worth sideboarding. There'd be certain matchups that you'd be like, well, you know, if my combo is interactable enough with, it's not worth keeping even trying to do it. So I'm going to swap into something else that's going to surprise my opponent. And usually it was cute more than good, but yeah, it was something that you could do. So sideboarding out of the combo, not recommended. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, the, I think I just had uh, one last question and then yeah. we could, get into the the different parts of it the mm-hmm. different portions of the podcast um do you have any tips for new players on uh like just getting started they don't know how to really play the deck do you have any like tips to get better at the deck faster sure i, I yeah i mean i think the the answer is always just uh, play some games but i think that's that's pretty boring um but in general i think i think that this deck is a good deck to pick up some people will tell you no but I mean, you you know, you you make a couple artifacts, you cast a spell for five, you win the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some of the some of the timings can be a little tricky, but really not so much. I mean, a lot of times you're you're trying to curve out at like one mana spell, two mana spell um, into preferably Fable of the Mirror Breaker or a big score untap win the game. So a lot of times you're just trying to survive until you turn four tap out for a big big score untap and win. And and usually your play patterns are actually pretty simple. There are definitely some complicated yeah. ones, but being a one card combo, just pick up the deck. There's nothing to be afraid of. I think it's a really fun deck. Uh, and again, you know, you you will figure out what to play around in certain matchups. But um, you know, again, as far as advice, um, really like slamming f- fables just so powerful that like usually yeah. if you have a chance to slam that card, it's pretty good. Like you'd much rather that get inter- interacted with or. Um, something like that's in your combo. So a lot of times you have more time than you think, like you have a, enough removal spells that you do it. And usually you want to be seeing removal spells in your opening hand, um, depending on your, on your metagame. Maybe it's counter spells, whatever, but your counter spells are also pretty cheap. So yeah, I mean, I would just say pick up the deck. Um, your play patterns, I think are usually pretty easy and, you know, think about what your opponent's going to have, right? What's your, what's your opponent's going to sideboard? I think the sideboard of games are a lot tougher, um, so, you know, understanding what your opponent could be bringing in based on their deck archetype is going to be, is going to be more important. Oh, that, that makes sense. I was, yeah, I was, I was thinking of the, as you were talking, I was trying to think of combo mm-hmm. decks. I think sometimes people would, uh, side out Splinter Twin occasionally. Yeah, sure. I think that's one, but I, sorry, I just... Was just trying to think of one because it really started getting to me for a second. No, yeah, there are some like uh, various like um, Tarmogoyf decks that would like sideboard out like you know 
whatever into creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was like some polymorph decks back in the day that would just go from like a polymorph into like a straight up token aggro strategy. So it's not yeah. too many things, but there are definitely certain ones. Uh, they, again, they were more rare uh, exception mm-hmm. than the rule, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that takes us to the, the point where you were wanting to talk about a uh, variant of the uh, uh, Indomitable Creativity deck that you've been working on that you've said has been working, or I, I don't know exactly how you described it. I've, yeah, I certainly didn't describe it as working, that's for sure, Brandon. <laughs> you described it as a possible way to do that. That's exactly right. It is something that you can do. <laughs> it is <laughs> it is a legal pile of magic cards that you're allowed to play if you so choose. And uh, it, uh, essentially it just takes the deck and, and you play red-black instead. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you would do that is to get access to proactive interruption spells. So again, if your if your metagame is a bunch of um, combo and or control elements, and you just cannot get enough of attacking with a 30-30 worm, right? There are better decks mm-hmm. to play. But if you wanted to, you could play red-black. The mana's there. Um, there's really great ways to make tokens. There's a uh, mm-hmm. um, the one mana card that makes a 2-2 zombie that flashes back for two. Um, it's like it's, it's like called Rise of the Zombies. I don't know, it's got some name, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a two card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The main reason to play it. I, go ahead. I'll just say you can exile a card from a graveyard. I think on it too, or something. That's like what that. it is. Yeah, you exile a card from a graveyard to make a, a make a two two zombie, and I think you have to. I actually think you have to have a target for that, which is why it's a little tricky. But the whole the the main reason to play it would be to swap your counter spells for Thoughtseize effects, right? Yeah, that's the main reason to do it. You get access to Deadly Dispute, which is pretty cute. Um, another way to draw deeper because you lose your impulse effects. So you definitely need some ways to go deep, but it's just a cute way to play it again and getting to like be a little more proactive in your plan and uh, and and getting to combo up that way. So, like I said, your man is really good there, and you have the uh, the tools you need to still combo. Uh, given that, again, you only need the one card combo. So like I said, you'd be surprised how often you don't need to be. Sometimes you do. Sometimes the creativity is just in the bottom half of your deck and you're just sad, but it doesn't mm-hmm. happen all that often. So for how easy it is just to draw that one card, you can focus a little bit less on some of the dig spells, although you have still have plenty with red in the um, fable, obviously, and uh, get some amount bla- back with black getting the um, deadly dispute. But focus on it a little bit less and a little bit more on better removal spells, right? Um, mm-hmm. Red spells deal damage. The, the black spells just kill stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. Fatal Push kills um, Shieldred, whereas uh, oh, yeah. Fire Prophecy and Fiery Impulse do not. Um, oh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> you exactly got to hit right. yeah. they're, they're kind of similar against Grease Fang, but again, if you were playing theoretically a ton of mid-range and a ton of combo and a ton of control, like that was most of your metagame, you might consider playing the uh, the black version now again against creature decks they're not too dissimilar because the red spells will take out just as many white weenie creatures as the black spells will generally speaking but in those other matchups i do feel like the deck is slightly better and every single other one of them it is worse oh that makes sense <laughs> uh and just for the people at home uh, the card we were talking about was rotten reunion Thank you, rotten reunion an yep. instant exile up to one tar- card from a graveyard so you don't have to uh, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed and it has flashback the only reason i ever remember this card is because it's american gothic the the painting but yeah it looks like zombies there you go and you funny uh fact for all of you uh listeners out there and i don't know if you know this but american gothic it's a man and his daughter not a man and his wife i really always thought that was his wife <laughs> that's what i assumed how did how did you know that did we get him dna tested or I, what 
I looked up on Google and uh, and apparently uh, on Wikipedia, it's like, yeah, a lot of people think it's his wife, but no, it's supposed to be his daughter. <laughs> huh. Well, there you go. I guess they I are guess, kind of yeah. ugly, though. <laughs> Who painted that one? Is it a famous painter or is it a famous painting? Uh, yeah, uh, it's in the. Uh, let me look it up real fast. Yeah, the Internet I knows. I remember. Yeah, I can never remember exactly American Gothic. Uh, it's in the Art Institute of Chicago, I believe. Uh, nice. Grant Wood. Yeah, don't know who that is, but they did a cool painting. Yeah, I don't know. You know? Yeah, they did. So I a guess painting. we asked Grant. We asked Grant uh, who that was, and that's what they said. Yeah, I just sorry, I just found that fact out like a few weeks ago, and I was just like excited to gush about it. Man, <laughs> I knew one I thing took, about a famous painting. Listen, listen, I I'm an experienced man. All right, I've experienced a lot in this life. Um, I learned, and I believe the year 2020 that the Southern hemisphere has different seasons than us. <laughs> and I know a lot of people yeah. like, like I got laughed at for that. Cause I know that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Again, a lot of things I know I, uh, uh, I have some stuff, but it just, it never occurred to me. I don't know why it just never occurred to me that that would be the case. And I'm sure I've heard it before and just forgot it, but uh, I, I really, and then it just made me laugh. So then I had to start telling people, cause I don't, I don't get embarrassed uh, that easily. I think it's like more of a funny thing, you know, cause we all have those moments. We all have those moments where we're like, Oh wait, what? <laughs> Something that everybody else knew and you just didn't pick up until later in life. And so uh, that's one of them. That's one of them. I had one of those with the Southern hemisphere as well. Uh, it turns out the Southern hemisphere, the moon is upside down for them. Like they see it differently than us. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's, there's some stuff like that, that I, that, you know, I was aware of cause it's the moon stuff, but, uh, uh, cause again, you're seeing it from the other perspective, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Not something that you would think about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just found that out. Like also a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast about, uh, there's some people from Australia and they were talking about like different things and they're like, yeah, it turns out in the Northern hemisphere, the moon is different. It looks totally different. I'm like, wait, I, I did like a reverse engineering, like in my brain, like the, the means right. where like the numbers are coming. Because they're upside like, down. Hey, it's upside down for us. <laughs> <laughs> are we upside down or are they upside down? You got to pick one. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. All right. We'll flip a coin. Science is about We'll roll 2d6s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think that brings us to the, the last thing I want to talk about, which uh, we had a few new spoilers because I'm recording this the day before spoilers come out, like that is my fault. Official spoilers. No, 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 no worries. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm just saying just we were doing it right before it, which usually doesn't happen. It's usually I'm like a month after spoilers happened. Sure. <laughs> I'm ahead of the, I'm ahead of the game this time. <laughs> nice. But uh, we recently had uh, a new spoiler, which I thought was really cool. And I want to get your take on it. Uh, we finally found out what battles are. Which yeah. We're spoiled on Atraxa, I want to say. was It had some reminder text. Yes, right. Atraxa said that battle was going to be a type. Good memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I just want to get your take on it. So the card, the first battle we've ever seen is three and a green for a battle. Siege is the type. It's a dual face card. Uh, as a siege enters, enters, it doesn't say enters the battlefield, just as a siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it. You and others can attack it, and when it's defeated, exile it, then cast it transformed. So that's a weird way to phrase it. it it's, I don't know, It's it sounds like it's honestly off. Some of the There's a lot weird. to unpack there, though, isn't there? Yeah. Like, look at that. It's a battle with the subtype siege. So what does that tell uh-huh. you? What does that tell you? If we battle subtype siege, 
we're going to have different types, which is my guess is you darn right. You're going to, you're going to have different yeah. kinds of battles, right? Cause it says as a siege enters a battlefield instead of as a battle. Yep. So that it does not, you're right. It does not say as a battle, gonna, as the siege enters. So, so um, it's probably going to have different ways to flip is my guess for yep. different types. I, like, I think you're going to have battles that are like duels, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a battle. Here's a duel. Um, whoever has the highest uh, creature power or whatever it might be, right? Like you mm-hmm. and opponent are, are battling. And this, this one is like a, you know, a land mass or, or a, an objective, right? Um, that this mm-hmm. one is, this one's like an objective that has to be claimed, but it leaves the door open for battles being something that like you and your opponent immediately do it, right? Duel, right? Like two of your mm-hmm. creatures fight, whoever wins, you know, or if you win, then you get the flip, something like that. Yeah. And then uh, for the text of this one, it says when invasion of Zendikar enters the battlefield, search your library for uh, up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle. And then it has a flip side, which whenever you, uh, and it also, sorry, I forgot. It has uh, three counters on it, which, right. or it's, we've been, we've had some confirmation about specifics about the card. So it has three counters on it. And whenever it flips over, as vigilance and haste, and as long as Awaken Skyclave, which is the opposite side, is on the battlefield, is a land in addition to its other types. It has tap, add one man of any color. It's a four four with elemental creature. Sorry, gotta specify that. Yep. <laughs> it's interesting. I really like this because it's uh, one of those four mana spells that enters the battlefield, and you can grab two lands, but you can blink it over and over again because it's a permanent. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Is like. <laughs> This is a this is like an enchantment that does this type effect, right? In my enchantment, I mean it's yeah. it's a permanent. Um, so yeah, <laughs> like they've got to be careful with these because, like you said, if you yeah. can if you can blink it, if this is in fact a permanent, right? We assume mm-hmm. you assume that it is because objects in the battlefield are usually permanents. Um, yeah, and so unless they say something different about these, like you you just brilliantly pointed pointed out, man, if I blink this, uh, I get a lot of lands. That sounds like something fun to do in in some good old commander, doesn't it? Yeah, or you could just play a Yorion pile and just because it blinks non-land permanents, mm-hmm. you can just blink this several times, and it just sounds like insane value for like a emergent ultimatum pile. Which I've seen play cards similar to this. Mm-hmm. Usually they're searching up gates or something like that. But yep, I mean it could be done. I it think could it could be done. It's an interesting card. Yeah, um, I was also just going to read off some of the rules we got yes. specifying these about it. Um, these, these are very complicated. Yeah. Uh, each battle in March of the Machines is a, a TDFC or a dual face card. Uh, battles can be cast during your main phase if the stack is empty. So they're at sorcery speed. Mm-hmm. So you can't just cast it at instant speed. Uh, battles enter the battlefield with a number of defense counters on it equal to their defense. It's the number on the bottom right. This one, Invasion of Zendikar, is at three. Uh, like a Planeswalker, battles can be attacked and damaged. So people can attack it. Um, it's basically they. These battles are just planeswalkers without loyalty, with right without any activated abilities. Well, they kind of have loyalty, um, yeah. They don't have the activated abilities, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, a battle subtype uh, provide rules for how it can be ta- attacked. So this one specifically can just be attacked, but some of them, like if it's a non siege, can be uh, attacked only probably by one creature or something similar like that. Sure. Um, all battles in. M and March of the Machines have the subtype Siege. As a Siege ETBs, its controller chooses an opponent to be its protector. Uh, every player except the protector may attack it. Only battles protectors may block creatures attacking it. Um, some spells and abilities may specifically damage battles. Uh, cards that say any target 
can target battles. Uh, any damage dealt to a battle causes that many defense counters to be removed. So if you bolt it, it will flip. Yep. Um, when the last defense counter is removed, the battle is defeated and triggered and the triggered ability triggers as this ability resolves the battles controller exiles it, then casts the back face from exile without paying its mana cost. Um, the reason this is, is because some are sorceries, so it wouldn't make sense for it to flip Unlike like Kiki Jiki say you have, you don't have to cast the backside of Kiki Jiki with these specifically. You have to just because there will be sorcery versions of it. They said, Oh, yep. So yeah, just so the I'm not trying but to lecture down you. If I like flip it, if I flip it at instant speed, I don't get to cast it. Um, I'm not sure. It says it because, says when it's defeated, exile it, then cast it. So I assume yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why they would make them a sorcery and then say, hey, you can cast them uh, uh, then because like it's the timing. But maybe that's a timing restriction thing on the rules that's been around for. Yeah, years. it does feel like that's the case a lot of times. It's like sorceries that say you can cast them at this time, and so you can. Uh, but it is weird that you would make it, I guess, a sorcery in that case. But well, my my only issue with that is is if they are sorceries, then that means that at the end of combat, whenever you deal the damage and it because uh, you people can attack it when it is defeated, exile it, and then cast it transformed. That would mean that none of the sorceries would work because you're still in the combat phase. Well, right? if it says, th- if the card says defeat it, then cast it transformed, mm-hmm. then it's telling you to cast it, so you do get it. Yeah. Um, okay, that so that then, is a good question. I, I think it's weird that why would you do that and make that confusing for players is my only, my only yeah. issue with it. But um, So yeah, I guess you could just do it at any time. So if I bolt it at your end step, I can still get it, I think. Yeah, I mean, my point is like, hey, you attack me with some creatures um, not mm-hmm. wanting to like defend the battle, and then I go, okay, cool. I'm going to deal three damage to the battle, and then all of a sudden I've got a 4-4. Four, four. Um, I mean, to be fair, you, you paid four mana for this card, right? But mm-hmm. if you could yeah. deal three damage to it at instant speed, then, you know, boom, you've got a 4-4 four, four blocker instantly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and this is just an uncommon, so who knows? Yeah. I think it's interesting to me that the first couple points you read there say they're specific to battles entirely. And then the mm-hmm. later ones, the later points, then mention sieges in particular. So those first couple points. Um, yeah. I think those first couple points are battles exclusively. So, yeah, the, the, these, these cards are going to be like, I think they're going to be a rules headache for like uh, pre release. Yeah, because they're they're new and they do a lot of crazy stuff. But um, I think in all, I think they they're ripe to be have a lot of cool synergies and interesting effects. But also, um, it just says if the counters are removed, they flip. So if you have something like a vampire hex page, which is a two, it's black black for a two one with first strike, and uh, remove two counter or not sorry, sacrifice vampire hex mage, remove any number of counters from target permanent. You could have uh, one of these battles and it has like, say, I don't know, like 10 uh, hit counters or whatever counters they are. And you remove them with a Vampire Hex Mage, you can get the really crazy effect for very cheap. So I think if you can figure out how to abuse these, they could be a very powerful strategy. Yep. That two mana black removal spell, Heartless Act, only removes them from creatures though, right? Yeah. I'm going to Google it just in case, but I'm pretty confident it's just creatures. Yeah. Um, I know yeah, uh, three counters from target creature. Okay. I know there are some ways to remove some counters from different things, which is a very good thought. Very good point that you brought yeah. up there. And um, when it comes to that kind of thing, I know Glissa, the new one, it mm-hmm. says remove three counters from target permanent. So that would work with these. I'm pretty sure, which is 
Oh, interesting. That's yeah, pretty. let's both get to typing on that one because now I'm I'm interested to see. You know, that's both of one of both of our favorite cards. Yeah, it's very fun. What's the I, new I, one called? Uh, Glissa Sunslayer. Oh, Glissa Sunslayer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's from Target Permanent. Glissa Glissa value incoming. Buy your Glissas now. You know, I know it seems like a very good synergy. I they must have planned for it in standard because. Like the, the sets are right next to each other, but if they didn't, like people are gonna have some insane, like just crazy value going on with this. Stonks, stonks. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, yeah. you know we we love uh, we love us some Glissa, so that's kind of a uh, mm-hmm. kind of a fun one. So um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting. I think one of the problems with Planeswalkers was like again, if you you can't just ignore them, right? If you can't hurt mm-hmm. them, then a lot of times like the ultimates were just winning the game. And like these, these seem like fixed planeswalkers to me, you know? Oh, for sure. I agree. That's, that's kind of what it, what it feels like. And I, I really actually wish if we could go back in time that these replaced planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Because uh, yeah. again, planeswalkers, I think a lot of people, a lot of people realized early on that, that, you know, this is an old adage. You can go Google this. It's something that some magic players said at some point, but planeswalkers create a sub game where if you do not kill them, then they win the game. You know, mm-hmm. and battles do not feel that way. So, yeah, you know, hey, if you do not protect them, they win the game. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, they flip and they do something right. They don't necessarily I'm sure they're not all game ending on, on the backside. So it's like, hey, if you're oh, behind, sure. you're not just like way further behind when your opponent casts a couple of removal spells, um, mm-hmm. stopping you from attacking it. You know, it isn't just like yeah. give every control deck or every mid range deck just like this uber powerful clock all of a sudden. Um, from what we've seen so far, we, we could live to eat there. Yeah. I could live to eat those words. You didn't say it. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the incremental advantage seems way different. It seems like you'd have to balance these things for like, hey, here's a flip effect. So, um, yeah, I, I like these. I, again, I think these are fixed planeswalkers. I really like it because, as you're saying, like planeswalkers make a sub game. But I think these are more uh, planeswalkers. They play themselves out to be better in like mid range to control decks because they grind value. This seems like it plays better as like a, a creature planeswalker. Like, so if you're playing a creature deck this is the planeswalker you want because you can't really play this in a control deck. Like you need to attack it down or somehow like get the value. I I just think it's an interesting take on like a creature version of what a planeswalker would look like, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think a a really good point there. Really good point. Yeah. You got any sweet, sweet calls to make when it comes into uh, like what you think? Uh, uh, no, I guess I said they're all sieges, huh? You want to call any more sieges or make a prediction for the next battle cards that we're going to see that are not sieges? Um, my guess for one, it was going to be it's going to be a black one, and it's going to enter the battlefield and destroy a creature. But I don't know if that would be too powerful because you enter the battlefield, destroy your opponent's blocker, and then you attack, and then they don't have anything to block with, and then you just like siege immediately. <laughs> sure, sure, like, yeah. Yeah, that seems like that would be a little bit too... I mean, like, maybe down the line if they prove that these are fine fun, but for a first thing, that seems like it would be, like, uh, once upon a time with uh, cards that are not balanced properly on their first outing. Yeah. <laughs> or something yeah, like that. It's, like, yeah. too powerful to start with. <laughs> the invasion of the Care Bear planet. You know, it's the easiest invasion yeah. of all time. <laughs> you come in, you, you you nuke the population, you take over the planet, right? So uh, that would be yeah. that would be the story on that one, right? Kill a creature and then just instantly <laughs> flip. So there you go. Yeah. What, what's your guess for uh, what kind of effects we'd see? 
Um, yeah, I, I as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, my thought would be like a battle that's not a siege. Um, mm-hmm. uh, hold on. Actually, I need to bring up the rules real quick because you had them and, and there's actually some yeah. rules that are relevant to battles that I don't want to go too crazy on. So if you've got it, you want to link it to me. Otherwise, I'll search it. Uh, I have them right here. I can just send it to you. Yeah, um, send it, send it my way. Discord. Yeah, these are just the ones that uh, so. Uh, just so everybody knows, these aren't the official Wizards of the Coast rules. They're from Covert Go Blue. He released them in a video, and he works really closely with Wizards of the Coast a lot of the time, so I assume these are correct. I mean, we don't know for sure. Like, this is all speculation. <laughs> yeah, this this is the what they said. So if, if this, I guess we'll say, we'll, we'll preempt this by saying, if this is accurate, we'll say that. Yeah. Um, in about the number of defense counters on it equal. So they always have defense counters on them. And so Siege yeah. is specifically decided defender. Um, I guess I'll go back then. Um, one of the ones I thought would be some way that like they come into play and instantly duel, right? Like whoever has the 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 biggest creature or the most cards in hand or the whatever else deals X amount of damage to the to the battle or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So like it, it could potentially backfire for you. Now, the siege just makes sense because it's like, hey, it only ever works for you. Right, your opponent's the defender, and so if you can't ever kill it, at least you got your comes comes into playability, right? Yeah. But um, I could also see one where again, either player could kill it, and 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 then get whatever the bonus is. The bonus is probably a little bit smaller, but there is one to be said there. And then it flips back over, right? Instead of being a siege, it says, hey, when when this card dies, um, exile it and return it to the battlefield as it's as the battle side, you know? Yeah. So you reset no, that, that could be a siege as well, um, but it could also be a non siege if there was a, you know, um, if it's like a race to it, like if it's repeatedly killable, right, then it might not make sense as a siege because only one player can ever get it um, yeah. in that regard. So if it's like a repeatedly killable effect for whatever, hey, flip this, get the bonus effect and then reflip it, right? Like, hey, whoever whoever wins the battle gets two treasure tokens and then reflip it over to make it a battle again, right? Yeah. That would be interesting. Hopefully some of those sentences that I put together there make sense. No, they, they made sense. Uh, I was also thinking another fun way to, like, uh, in the future for these, could be, like, a, a fixed version of the Monarch that's, like, attached to a permanent. So, like, I play it, I get the Siege, but if you attack me, you get the, the battle, I mean, and then it's, like, we battle back and forth for it. But at the end of each instep, we each get to draw a card, whoever owns it at that moment. So that could be a, a fun way to do it, but I don't know if that would work in the rules, but <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the way that they work so far, I'm, I'm, I kind of like it because it, it, um, it really incentivizes attacking more, which I think we've kind of gone in like older formats. Definitely. We've kind of gone away from it. So I think it's a good way to do that. So I'm, I'm down for it. Uh, yeah. I think that's kind of all I have to say about battles. Yeah, I, I know. I think I think the of, I think that's a lot of good info. I think that you know, yeah. um, not that uh, you know. I know you cover more than pioneer content, and and honestly, mm-hmm. you want to hear it here first. I think Crew Three is about to start um, doing that too, especially when we move to like more seasonal stuff. We're gonna start talking about some some more formats and and whatnot. Nice. But we'll we'll see how it feels. But right now, we're we're pioneer focused, and one of the reasons that pioneer is so fun is that there's a lot more attacking and blocking. Sometimes you're attacking your opponent for thirty trample damage, but <laughs> yeah. but you know there's a there's a lack of planeswalkers, right? Like planeswalkers are not the strongest cards in pioneer. 
And mm-hmm. frequently they are in other formats. Think of, you know, Teferi Time Reveler running rampant. Think of Jace the Mind Sculptor, right? Now, again, spells and yeah. creatures are so powerful. I feel like they've kind of been power crept a lot more than Planeswalkers, except for Oko, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. those have been power crept more. So they are not necessarily everywhere like they used to be. But in a lot of formats, right, Modern's got Renin 6, right? Renin 6 is everywhere mm-hmm. and considering being banned. Teferi is in a lot of places. So there's a lot more prevalent Planeswalkers. Um, Pioneer doesn't have that as much. You definitely have some Wandering Emperor strong, but you know, would you rather have a Wandering Emperor or a Shieldred? Uh, hey, you know, Shieldred's yeah. got static effects that the Planeswalker sometimes have too. So, I think that mm-hmm. the attacking and blocking aspect of it is a really, really good insight that you had because it's why a lot of people like Pioneer. It goes back to kind of the way magic that Garfield intended. You know, if you exactly say that phrase, right? <laughs> um, attacking and blocking is just fun magic, right? It's how it was meant to be meant to be done. So. Uh, yeah, I really like what you had to say there. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, your insights too, man. These, uh, I think, I think, I really like your point uh, that the way that it works now with like the sieges that we saw isn't probably isn't where it's going to be forever. Like this is very likely to change because they specifically said the ones in this set are sieges. They are very likely to change. So this could be a very cool type that. Makes it so that um, I think it might uh, make uh, other cards like enchantments and artifacts less wordy. I think this could very well help that because yeah, it this new type is specifically designed for these like mini games as opposed to like enchantments, which kind of did that in the past. But I think this will achieve that better, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But I don't know. Who knows? This this is the first time we've seen it, and. It's he said, she said about the rules at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. It's yeah. kind of hard to talk more about it until we know exactly. But they are, again, another complicated type, right? And that's one thing about magic is the game is very complicated. And I don't feel like these reduce complexity being a whole new a whole new permanent type. But they don't oh, yeah. seem they don't seem super complicated, right? Like the idea of like, hey, I play this location and you have to defend it now and I'm going to attack it. And if I kill it, I get the backside. It makes sense to me, right? Yeah. I think it'll add to fun, though. I don't think it's going to ruin magic. I mean, it very well could. It could be Oko 3.0, but I think it's going to be a fun addition that drives interaction in ways that players like. So Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. Sweet. Anyway, I think that takes us to the end of all I wanted to talk about. Uh, Almost exactly on the hour mark, just a little bit over, which convenient. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Thank you again, Chris, for coming on. This means a ton. I love getting to gush with you about decks that are fun and talking about glissa and creativity and this is just <laughs> <yeah>. awesome <laughs> yeah it's it's always a heckin fun time and uh and for clarity i had to like last minute reschedule on you which i hate to do um oh, no worries. but uh but some stuff was happening at home and and the stuff that i was talking about for actually just for your information was actually something that happened a while ago but it just was it was fresh in uh fresh in the mind of my my house uh my house here so yeah, yeah, I, no I canceled you last minute and we rescheduled and I'm glad we got it to work out. I really wanted to come on and, and I wanted to be the one that Servo was listening to this time. If he's only going to listen to one podcast, he can at least listen to me <laughs> uh, since, you know, I'm on both podcasts. So it's like, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gl- glad to have you on. Come on anytime if you want to ever talk about just anything. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I, you- I, this is my uh, Complain to Bridger podcast now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> wizard of the coast mess up I have chris on he'll that's come, right come talk to me about what's real you anyway um do you have any socials you'd like to plug 
Yeah, sure. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, use them much, but you can find me on the tweeters at it's underscore Christmas. I've been gaining some followers for absolutely no reason, um, though. I I have been picking up my tweets per month. Um, I think I was at like point three, and I think now I'm at point nice. seven. So uh, although I still think that app is bad for your health, it can sometimes be a be a fun time. So if you if you use tweeters, go ahead and follow me there. And then, of course, otherwise, uh, you can find me and my uh, my little, you know, whatever ragtag band of bandits on a crew three podcast on Spotify and other places that you get spot uh, podcasts. Nice. Uh, if anybody wants to find me on the on Twitter, um, I am currently I changed the name because uh to reflect my discord name because that's where i do most of the advertising uh right now i am bridger uh thane of gb midrange uh, or just mid because the, the funny the joke there if nobody gets it and nobody probably will is the phyrexians they have thanes and my middle name is thane so i'm a thane of something oh. so haha joke there we go <laughs> there we go unless it's like a birth certificate i wouldn't get it yeah, exactly. So now I so know people just understand. Now it doesn't seem like I'm ed- an edge lord. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, thank you again for coming on, and uh, I guess I'll talk to you guys, the the listeners, uh, later. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. See you.